Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You may have seen Jugger on various sports highlight pages on social media, or, if you're lucky enough, at your local park. If you've never seen Jugger before, you're in for a treat. Because, to quote our expert today, it's like a mixture between rugby and fencing, while looking a bit like live-action roleplay or medieval combat. Not to mention, teams can be found all over the world, especially in Germany, where my guest Ruben, a jugger coach, player, author, innovator, and educator, hails from. My name is Tommy Butler, and you're listening to The Ocho. Hello, everybody. I'm here with arguably one of the most knowledgeable minds in Jugger. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Ruben, or in the Jugger world, I'm better known as the Uhu, which translates to Eagle Owl and is just some kind of a stupid name for a person <laughs> wearing thick glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why that was uh, your nickname. I thought it was like just something really cool, but if it's because you have big glasses, that's hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much yes. for joining me. Yeah, pleasure to speak about Jagger again, because it's always a pleasure to speak about Jagger. <laughs> and I'm very honored to be here with you on the podcast you do, because you are doing very good podcasts. So, um, well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, to get started with this one right off the bat, do you have an elevator pitch for what the sport of Jagger is? So Jagger is a really special sport. It's fascinating, it's fast-paced. It looks very weird. It looks a bit like a medieval battle, you could say, <laughs> or something <laughs> fantasy-like. But in fact, it does not have any live role-playing roots or stuff like that, and it does not have medieval roots either. It's more like a blend of uh, rugby and fencing. Um, and this is be because you have two teams who battle for, yes, originally a dog skull, we'll come to that later. Nowadays it's called jugger or maybe ball or skull even, but it's sort of a foam rugby ball, you could say, a bit, bit like a foam rugby ball. And um, each team tries to score a point by placing this ball into the opponent's uh, goal, which is sort of a mound or a volcano-shaped uh, thing. <laughs> and um, to achieve this, uh, four players of the five players in each, each team um, are trying to make way for the fifth player, the so-called quick. And the quick is the one who may pick up the ball, run to the opponent's mount or goal, and score a point by placing it into it or inserting it into the sort of volcano. The other four players may defend their quick by uh, sort of fencing. And here comes the fencing aspect, by fencing with the spars or sometimes called Pomfen, Pomfen is in the German uh, term, or Boffers, which is not as accurate, but you could also say Boffers, like from live role-playing. So padded staffs, a padded chain, we'll come to that later, and other gear. And they are fencing against their opponents, and when they score a hit against an opponent, this opponent has to go down on one knee and has to take an out time 
of five so-called stones. Each stone is 1.5 seconds. This is the time um, which is measured during the whole game and throughout the whole game. And um, after they have uh, counted down their five stones, they may get up again and uh, get rejoin uh, the brawl, sort of. Um, so this makes Jagger a really unique combination of, as said, sort of fencing and rugby. Sounds a bit dangerous because people are hitting each other, but in fact, um, it's not dangerous because both the spars are padded very well and um, even the slightest touch counts as a hit, as long as you do not hit the head or in most cases the hands because both these zones are invalid hit zones. We don't want to have blows to the head, of course, so this is invalid. And for most players, the hands are invalid hit, hit zones as well. Um, so this is sort of the very quick wrap-up of Jagger. You might not have understood it completely. Just, just, just imagine to mix fencing and rugby, and you're sort of in the right direction, more or less. <laughs> yes, <laughs> about. <laughs> and we'll uh, continue to explain it as the podcast goes on. But if you uh, are still interested in learning more, you can see Uhu's videos on YouTube, where he explains in great detail all of how Jugger works with video, which also helps a ton, not just the audio aspect. Exactly. So for that, uh, I would recommend the wrap-up video, uh, Jugger Rules in 5 Minutes. If you if you put it on YouTube, Jugger Rules in 5 Minutes, and maybe even the channel Jugger Coach uh, or Ein Uhu, then you will find it. Uhu is spelled U-H-U, by the way. Ruben's YouTube page again is Jugger Coach Uhu's Tutorials, and his videos are terrific explanations of Jugger, which I highly recommend checking out, especially because seeing some of those highlights might be really helpful to visualize what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the episode. So what attracted you to Jugger in the first place? When did you first hear about it? Uh, that, that was typical character, uh, characteristic of a Jugger, you could say, <laughs> really, <laughs> indeed. Um, um, a friend told me that... He had seen weird people running around in a Berlin park. I was living in Berlin at the time. And um, in the Volkspark Friedrichshain, there were people who were having hell of a lot of fun, were enjoying the time by hitting each other with huge clubs and playing, as it seemed, some kind of a game, a ball game with clubs. But not uh, as you usually would imagine. But as I said, they fence, sort of fenced with each other, tried to hit each other. And he said, come on, uh, let's have a look. And so we went out to the park, and um, that was the first time that I saw Jagger, around 2005 it must have been. Yes, and I saw that. I saw these people enjoying themselves immensely, uh, notably both men and women. So we have mixed teams and mixed trainings. And um, it looked great. It really did. And, and I, was, I, was, I was on fire directly. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, I'm, I have to play this. I, I have done sports fencing in the past and judo. But I also always wanted some team sports, but it didn't really fit me, the usual team sports, so to speak, or the classic team sports. They weren't my cup of tea. As said, I was more in the sports fencing and judo and stuff like that area. Um, and now I saw this combination, which combined team sports and individual sports in a very, very stunning way. And so I, I just went up to them and asked them, hey, what are you actually doing here? And this is the other fascinating thing that you often um, encounter when you when you uh, encounter jaggers. Uh, 
they were very open. They just said, oh, hello, cool that you're interested here. Take this bar. And suddenly I had such a two-handed something in my hands, <laughs> sort of two-handed swords without being a sword. And, uh, and then they said, okay, and now hit me. And uh, so we started uh, sparring, sort of, directly. And um, yes, that was the first time I played Jagger. And from that point on, I was so fascinated by it that I went to every training, or not maybe every, but almost every training, weekly, once or twice a week, twice a week usually, out in the open, in the open park where we trained there. And uh, in 2000, uh, I think it was in January 2007, I started my own team. And uh, since I'm working as a writer, I also published the first Jagger books then, because when you're a writer, you can't stop yourself from writing about the stuff that really fascinates you. <laughs> well, and that was sort of the start uh, of, uh, of my Jagger, uh, well, career, you could say. How long after you first started playing Jagger did you watch the movie? For a bit of context, because I don't know if we've mentioned it so far, Jugger was originally invented to be the main conflict in a movie from 1989 called The Blood of Heroes, or The Salute to Jugger, depending on where you're from. And eventually it became a real, although much less dangerous sport. We're going to talk a lot more about that, so I won't give too much away now. I had watched it long ago, but uh, that wasn't sort of relevant. You must you must take into account that the Jagger movie is, uh, is a post-apocalyptic movie from 89 and it's very 89-ish <laughs> of a very a very 80s post-apocalyptic movie with Rutger Hauer um, and Juan Chen and others uh, uh, in the main uh, roles. But um, after that, I think in 2000, I think in 2005, end of 2005, 2006, so shortly after I started playing Jagger, of course I had to uh, watch the movie again and, uh, and see the parallels and I was totally, yes, stunned that this movie uh, would inspire a sport where you wouldn't break your bones as in the movie, but just instead of that, have a lot of fun. <laughs> and so, yes, the movie um, was quite important and interesting right from the start. How many athletes and competitions are there? You said you started your own team. How often are you able to play other teams? Well, um, the uh, the Jagger community has skyrocketed uh, around 2007. Um, they started to spread to Ireland, to Spain, to Australia even earlier, um, uh, and then to, to many other countries, even the USA, uh, Mexico, and South America. Um, and right now, you if, if there's no corona, of course, <laughs> which was really hard, which really made a dent for, for last year's, tournament season and this year's as well um, but uh, in germany you you can play almost every weekend uh, almost uh, so there are tons of tournaments even during the winter season uh, but mostly of course during the summer season where you can play outside because jugger is most fun outside of course <laughs> and um we had uh, we had planned a, a world championship in berlin uh, my uh, the club um, i started to play jugger in they um planned the world championship right last year and they want to do it this year instead we'll see whether it works out and we had 120 slots for teams all over the world who wanted to join us and i think 112 had registered already before they had to move the tournament date because of corona so this gives a slight impression about the size of the jagger community i mean that's only the jagger 
teams that are able to travel over to Berlin only to play in a one weekend tournament or four days tournament and then travel back home. So you have certainly about 100, 150 or 200 teams in Germany. Spain is the uh, next great community, I think, with Juggers. So they have also about, I, I'm not sure, I'm, I don't really know, but they skyrocketed really when they uh, started with Juggers. So one year after the other, they had more and more and more teams. So there must be between the one and 200 uh, uh, level sort of of teams number of teams there um, and then we get more and more teams as had also in the US or in South America and so forth the point is that you um, you don't hear about all teams even though we have a forum we have an international tournament or uh, uh, coordination website where you can register your tournament and register your team that participates in tournaments but often you you come to a tournament and there are teams turning up you never heard about and they are playing since five years or something, but they never turned up on forums or on tournament websites or on the Jugger Worldwide Facebook group or something. So there, there are many who just have fun and train and play by themselves and suddenly they turn up on a tournament. That, so yeah. if you like Jugger, you have many opportunities to play both against your own uh, people of your own country and uh, internationally against uh, teams from other countries. That's so cool. I'm thinking about the fact that I hadn't heard of Jugger until I saw some highlights on a big social media page that covered sports highlights. To imagine that last year, nearly 120 teams from all over the world were planning on meeting up. And I mean, at the very least, if that doesn't show how many teams and how popular this sport is, despite the fact that so few or I guess the general public might not know about it. It's at least incredibly tight-knit. Absolutely. Um, I can only recommend to have a look on the Jugger map, um, which is uh, both existing as a Google map. Um, you will find that on the International Jugger blog on juggerblog.net and uh, by the quite recently formed uh, International Jugger Council, uh, they have uh, sort of derived uh, their own map um, which is just like a Google map, uh, but with sort of free code. So not, not under the uh, Google code, um, as far as I know. Um, and there you can really see that Jugger is even in China, we have a team. So, <laughs> so Jugger becomes really a very international sport. And if you're interested, have a look at this map first and, uh, and just have a look whether there might be some team already registered on the map in your vicinity. Because the best way to learn Jugger, as said, is just go there, visit them, be prepared to have a spar in your hand inside the first of five minutes, <laughs> and, well, just Jugger away. I checked out the Jugger map, and the closest Jugger group to me is in Ohio. And to be honest, I would not hesitate to make a trip to Ohio to participate in Jugger. And as a proud Penn Stater, that's not easy to say. Jumping in here with a quick word from our sponsors. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. In partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. Each purchase you make before March 31st through ebay.com sneakers will enter you into a drawing for one of the pairs of Air Force One low tops. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram. 
BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA is in full swing and college basketball heats up as schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest as BetOnline is the spot for all of your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You mentioned earlier that in the movie, the ball that you are meant to score with is a dog skull. So in one of your videos, you mentioned that you actually had the opportunity to talk with the creator of Jugger, the screenwriter for uh, the movie, David Peoples. Uh, And his reason for choosing a dog skull was that he didn't like dogs. Is that true? <laughs> yes. When I wrote my first book about Jagger in 2006, I um, tried to reach him. And <laughs> that was really fascinating because, uh, I mean, he's he's a screenwriter also um, of 12 Monkeys, a co-screenwriter, and is also involved in Blade Runner uh, screenwriting and such stuff like that. But even so, after I had um, managed to, to pass forward a letter to him, um, he called me <laughs> and this was really cool because um, that gave me the opportunity to to really do a proper interview and to ask about the background of many aspects in Jagger. One of the most outstanding, of course, is the dog skull. And so one thing he said, of course, is that, um, well, after the post-apocalyptic breakdown, dogs are most likely to survive because they are sort of the best friends of man and uh, um, may, may accompany mankind even after uh, all technology went haywire. But on the other hand, <laughs> the thing is that once he, he, he had a goal in mind to kill a dog in every of his films, and <laughs> while he didn't manage that, um, he at least could put dog skulls on the front line in the Jugger movie. I just feel the need to jump in here and say that I'm so glad that David Peoples did not manage to kill a dog in every movie he wrote. When a character dies, it can be sad if you really get to know them, but a dog? Instant tearjerker. Unforgivable. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. And so the dog skull became uh, the ball in a Jugger. And in sports, uh, in the Jugger sports, of course, um, we are not that tightly oriented on the film anymore of course not because it has developed as a real competitive sport also fun but competitive as well so it must work and um, um, we start to to have uh, so-called neutral jugs in germany so they look more or less like rugby balls but there are even um um, uh, latex uh, jugs, so skulls, which are even today formed like dog skulls uh, out there. And they are sometimes used in finals or in special tournament games and stuff like that. So they, they turn up uh, now and then. Um, when I started Jagger, it was quite um, usual to have a dog skull. Uh, so not a real dog skull, but a foam uh, replica of a dog skull of some kind. Self-made, homemade. And that's also an interesting aspect with Jugger, I think, because uh, the dog skull um, symbolizes the creative aspect of uh, of Jugger as well. All the spars you are wielding in Jugger are homemade. You have to make them yourself. 
because you you cannot or you can buy them in some places but there are very very few online places usually people just make their spas by themselves and this dog skull is just um yeah it's quite similar to it because it was it was made by the people themselves with their creativity um with their special focus um more elaborate or more simple uh, whatever they liked and this really added a lot of uh, character to the sports of Jagger. So the dog skull is uh, associated very often also as a symbol or an emblem to Jagger team. So you will you will encounter it quite frequently when you are looking for Jagger team uh, emblems and stuff. So that's the background uh, with the skull and the yeah, dog skull type ball. Definitely. Now, another common theme or common logo that you see in jugger is the chain the chain is a really big part of the sport and is one of the most famous spars that you can use would you mind going over some of the positions that you can play in jugger and the spars that you might use of course the different positions in jugger are the other uh, thing that makes jugger very special and very attractive i think um the chain which you mentioned is one of the most dramatic <laughs> spars. It's three meters and 20 uh, long. About 10 and a half feet for those of us stuck in the imperial system. So it's really very long. Uh, it, it's wielded um, and um, it has a ball of about 20 centimeters of foam, a foam ball, 20 centimeters on the end. Um, in the former times when I started Jagger, there only have been plastic chains or nylon chains later. Um, the nylon chains, chains already were quite advanced. The plastic chains were just normal plastic chains you can buy uh, in a market um, or in a chop shop to, um, uh, uh, to attach the foam ball on the end. They broke quite frequently, so they were not that, um, yeah, not, not that good. The nylon chains are very good. They don't break almost at all. But the problem is that they have very hard links and um, they are padded in the last meter before uh, in front of the ball, sort of, or behind the ball, better to say, um, so that no one gets injured. But even so, um, they can be they can be not that nice if you get them in your face or something. Um, now, um, with the development of the spars, um, we have uh, rope chains. Um, which are much softer, which are sort of padded along the whole length of the chain itself. So they are, in fact, no chains by themselves anymore because they don't have links, but they are still 3 meter 20 long. If you wrap someone with a chain, they are hit. If you touch someone with the foam ball, they are hit. In both cases, they have to go down and even a bit longer, eight stones instead of five stones. But the chain is only the most spectacular spar, probably. It's all, also one of the hardest spar to, spars to play both physically and um, uh, training-wise, so that you don't hit your own players <laughs> with it. The other four spars that you can have, or five spars, in fact, types, um, are very interesting as well. We have a two meter long... About six and a half foot. Sort of Q-tip. Um, I don't know if you know these um, ear cleaning tools with the two ends there, um, the small ones which, with which you can clean your ears. Yeah. And the Q-tip looks exactly like that. It has two ends with which you can strike, so two tips, um, padded, of course, and it's two meters long. So it looks quite impressive, and it's interesting to handle, although it's harder to handle than some people might think because they think, oh, I have two, two uh, uh, tips to, to strike with, uh, and that's 
easy because I can attack the other from two directions. But in fact, um, it's not that easy to handle. The next one uh, that does not have a real, real world parallel sort of is the so-called staff. The staff is two, uh, one meter and 80 long. So it's a bit shorter than the Q-tip. At about five foot, 11 inches. Um, but um, you have to hold it with one hand around the center of uh, the whole spar, the center of the length of the whole spar, and on one end. And you have to hold them there when you're hitting someone else. So the handling is a bit, um, you, you have to get accustomed to it. It's a bit unusual. Um, but it's a very solid uh, spar for, for the match because you can parry excellently. And with the lightweight spars uh, from today, you can hit very fast and very swift. You may not thrust. You can thrust with a Q-tip. So in live role-playing, for example, mostly thrusting is forbidden. But in jugger, it's absolutely allowed and expected. And so we have very well-padded tips on the ends of the spars. So those are the, the two longest spars we have, or solid core spars we have, aside from the chain. The next one is um, more like uh, medieval uh, stuff. It looks a bit like a two-handed sword, you could say. It's uh, one meter 40 long. Or about four and a half feet. And you have to hold with both hands on the grip on the handle, uh, at the handle. So uh, if you have only one hand on the handle and you touch someone, the hit is invalid. This has safety reasons as well, as well as reach, of course. Um, many prefer that because, as said, it looks a bit like a two-handed sword. Um, and the last one is, yeah, maybe the most obvious medieval spar. But as said, we have nothing to do with medieval sports. It just has developed. And that's shield and short sword. And the shield is just a 60 centimeter round shield. It has to be round and it has to be around 60 centimeters. Which is about two feet in diameter. And the uh, short sword or short spar uh, is uh, just an 85 centimeter long one-handed uh, spar. A little over two and a half feet. The only spar that you may uh, hit with uh, only with one hand on the uh, hand on the handle or on the grip. Um, you also may play with two short swords, so two one-handed spars, one in each hand. In Germany, it's it's frowned upon because um, it's hard to play. People, it's said that people tend to ignore doubles. Um, and uh, you may not uh, hold down two players at once with these two spars. We come to that maybe later. But um, as said in Germany, it's not very, it doesn't get much love, the two one-handed spars. In Spain, uh, in contrast, uh, it seems that they are quite fond of this combination. So you see um, Spanish players more often with this combination than uh, with, uh, than in Germany. The interesting thing about these six different spar types, the chain, long sword, Q-tip, uh, staff, shield and short sword and two short swords, is that each, uh, each type has its own uh, requirements, body requirements, physical requirements, um, even psychological requirements. Um, and so most people tend to gravitate to one spar type, not necessarily the one they choose first, which say, which which was most fascinating to them in the beginning, but mostly to to another spar that they that they realize is fitting their play style, their physiology and stuff, uh, their handling uh, better, and that's very interesting because you have different types of athletes or uh, players um, who 
like to choose different types of spars and by this a different dueling style or play style. So with each different spar, is there a strategy for how which spars you want your team to choose? Like if one person chooses the the short sword and shield, is it good to then have someone with a Q-tip or do people just choose based on what they're good at? Well, um, there is a debate about the best <laughs> setup, sort of. <laughs> of course. Uh, which shows, <laughs> yeah, which shows, uh, I mean, as with every sport, uh, there, there are these experts who say, that's perfect, and the others say, no, that's crap, this is better, and stuff like that. So you have this discussion, of course. Um, generally, the most important thing is rule-wise, that you may have only one chain in your team because the chain is extremely powerful. If you have a good chain player, you have a very good start for your team. So good chain players are really a, a nice thing. Um, Shield-only setups are not very beloved. They don't get much love because shield-only setups tend not to be able to protect each other um, or tend to be a bit rushy so that players try to rush into the opponent with their shields. And uh, this, yeah, it's it, it exists, but mostly for fun. So there's even a, a team called Shield, uh, which consists only of Shield players, but Shield players from different teams who meet on tournaments to to form this Shield team, even though they are from different <laughs> other teams. <laughs> so That's awesome. um, also this exists. Yeah, yeah also this exists. Um, Game-wise or tactics-wise, um, it is important uh, that the chain gets a friend. <laughs> As in, in the movie, the other quick has to get a friend. In, in real world, Jagger, the chain uh, should have a friend. So another player, a comrade, who uh, may protect them if they are, uh, if they are taken down. Uh, and for this protection, usually a longer spar, like a longsword or a staff or a Q-tip, is better suited than uh, any short sword combination simply because of the reach aspect. There are some teams who are staff only. Uh, in history, they were quite popular, in fact. And there are even some uh, teams who are longsword only or have been. But usually, you do have a certain mix depending on the quality of the players, depending on the tactics of the team wants to employ. So there are many aspects which uh, sort of define which kind of setup you will have in your team. There is no perfect setup. Um, at least up to now, we haven't found the perfect setup. <laughs> and I think it's great if it's that well balanced that you can't find a perfect setup. It keeps everything interesting. Exactly. And of course, there are often the ideas that, oh, I have the idea for a great new spar. Um, the Australians, for example, when they started Jugger in 2000, um, they had even a hammer or a chain with four, uh, four, um, how do you say, four chains, sort of, <laughs> a fork oh. chain, you could say, uh, like in the as in the film. Um, but um, for sports Jugger, even the Australians play with these uh, six base uh, combinations. It's also important to know that not only each country, but even um, Jagger groups may have slightly or very different Jagger rules. So there's sports Jagger, then there are small uh, differences inside sports Jagger depending on the country or the club you're playing with or the association you're playing with. Um, although these differences are mainly ironed out, so they are really minor. 
And then there is, for example, the post-apocalyptic jugger, which is enjoyed by the Czech, for example, or the Red Dirt Jugger Club in the USA has played uh, a more movie-like post-apocalyptic jugger. And if you see the old videos from 2003, I think there should be an old one on my channel still, um, but also the pictures from the time when Jagger started in 93, 94, 95, 98, then you will see that people were dressing up much more like post-apocalyptic um, players or LARPers sort, sort of, while today uh, people are just wearing, well, usual sports, uh, sports stuff or sports gear um, or clothing, but uh, even so the creativity aspect is quite present, for example, in the design of the player jerseys. So you have a huge range of uh, colorful designs um, when you are watching different Jagger teams. So each team has their own uniform? You have, uh, yes, it's just, a, it's just a practical thing. I mean, in, in the former times and when I started Jagger, we uh, didn't have these modern printing um, stuff where you just send your design over the internet and get a jersey, but we often had just um, standard t-shirts and either printed them by ourselves or had a printer who um, who, who printed uh, the design in one color on them or something like that. So they were, compared to today's jerseys, they were quite simple. But the jerseys themselves, of course, they developed with the team sports so that people can see they are on my side and they are not on my side. Very simple. So there you have the usual jerseys like in almost every team sport, yes. Of course, because I think you mentioned earlier that you can accidentally hit your own team with your spar and knock them out of the game. Exactly. Friendly fire exists and is much beloved. <laughs> Time for another quick shout out to our sponsors. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for on eBay. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp and is customized with the sneaker's details. The authenticity guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Speaking of selling, it's free to sell sneakers of $100 plus on eBay. And with that authenticity guarantee we keep talking about, verified returns make the whole transaction worry-free. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers ebay.com slash sneakers if you're into not niche sports as well as the niche sports you're listening about bet online has the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action the nba is in full swing and college basketball is heading to march madness the tournament is coming and so is the one hundred thousand dollar bracket madness contest as bet online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets because it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Is there a dual choice strategy? So if I was, if I had a Q-tip, do I want to go against the chain potentially on the other side? Or is the sword and shield really good against a long sword? Well, that's also really, and that's also the interesting thing, what you already mentioned, that all spars are sort of equal. Um, it really depends on your personal play style. Um, usually, well, usually a, a long spar, like a long sword or a staff, or even a Q-tip might be a good chain breaker. There are some shields who are good at chain breaking, and there are many chains who just don't know what to do against shields. So, <laughs> so shield might even be a good choice against the chain, but it's really hard to say. As I said, if you're protecting the chain, then it's, it comes handy if you have a, a long spar, of course, if you have enough reach to protect your chain. But um, and and uh, when you are uh, uh, playing shield, for example, then you are not as fast as someone playing uh, a long spar. So if you are, are trying to chase the opponents quick, so the player who may score points um, and who doesn't have any spar, he just can just take the skull and make a point. But that's about it. He, uh, they cannot tag anyone else um, or defend against anyone else. In fact. Um, when you're just on chasing, then you're bad off as a shield player, but you might be much better off uh, as a, a solid long spar player. Um, but that's about it. It's really, really much personal preference um, and play style. What about your favorite spar? What position do you choose? Well, I at, at the very first, I, I took the long sword because I as said I had done sports fencing. But very soon, um, I switched to shield about almost immediately to shield playing and played shield for 10 years or something. Um, today I'm still playing shield, but I'm, yeah, I'm tending more to the staff because it became very lightweight uh, during the jugger development as a sport sort of. So, so you're incredibly fast and you can incorporate many fencing techniques uh, when you are using the staff, even though it's not as straightforward, you have to sort of transfer the techniques to the staff. Um, and the other, uh, which I started playing more and more, is the chain. But I'm not primarily a chain player because I'm I'm also a trainer, and I had been a trainer when I was in Sweden. I introduced Jagger to Sweden, uh, which were, wasn't there before. And of course, when you're moving to Sweden, you want to play Jagger, so you have to take it with you <laughs> if it's not there already. And uh, to train your team, uh, I needed to get better with the chain to to just to give them training opportunities with this very important uh, very uh, yes very important spar in fact so shield mainly staff and chain is more on the list sort of 
Would you say chain is chosen almost 100% of the time, or does it really depend on having a good chain player? Well, um, I would heavily recommend to have a chain player. <laughs> Even a bad <laughs> chain player might be a better idea than no chain player, except if you have a chain player who is that bad that they, uh, they, they always call friendly fire hits, of course, <laughs> uh, yes. which can happen very easily with the chain. Um, also, if you have a team with good chain breakers and you have not a very good chain, then you might run into trouble very quickly. Um, also, the chain is the most sort of um, energy-consuming spar probably on the field. Maybe quick, but I think even the chain is even more because you have to, to run around a lot. You have to move the whole body. You're swinging the chain all the time or almost all the time. So you're in constant motion. You have to be very focused playing the chain. Um, and so, um, yes, it's, it's, it's a position where you have to have to have a, a certain uh, sportive level, uh, so to speak, to, to be able to manage it long enough for a tournament. Um, so uh, aside from the fact that there has to be only one chain on each team, you can have no, none, that's okay, but you, don't have, you, you can't have more than one chain uh, in a team. Aside from that, um, I would say, yes, train your chain players. It's very important. It's very impressive. That's quite important as well, because when you're training in a park, for example, um, then uh, passers-by will probably stop because of the chain and look twice, what are you doing there? And as soon as they stop and look, then you can go to uh, uh, head up to them and, uh, well, tell them, hey, this is Jagger, this is cool. Uh, do you want to take part? Here's a spar, come on. And uh, you might win players through that. So many players in Berlin uh, that time came to Jagger as I did. There were passers-by in the park, for example, who just stopped and watched and started playing and the chain as said is very good for this because you can see that well and it's very dramatically looking and very unusual looking of course as well definitely it would be so cool to have a like almost a joke game where everyone had a chain and just see what happens well we had in tournaments uh, we sometimes have mass jugger games <laughs> <laughs> where we have sort of four teams or two teams with 50 players or not 50 players each or maybe even 50 players each <laughs> um and uh with with four quicks and eight chains and stuff like that and it's really chaotic but really funny <laughs> and is that on the same size uh field with 50 players on each side yeah, I mean, that, that are just fun games. They are not scoring games, so you don't <laughs> count uh, points or, stumps, or something, and you can't score. Uh, you can score points, but uh, it's just for fun. Um, I was going to so say yes, it would be not? really hard to score points with all those chains swinging around. Yeah, but, but it works. I mean, it's chaos, and <laughs> one key issue of Jugger, which is overlooked now and then, is that Jugger is very, very much about coordination and oversight. So, if you don't uh, have keep an eye on what's happening on the field, uh, your team might be on the winning side, might have taken down almost all opponent players, but maybe the opponent quick is just has just sort of the sharper eye and is just running around you and scoring a point, even so. So really important with Jugger is team coordination and having, yeah, keeping an eye on the field. And um, so with that many players, it might be much easier for for a quick to just sneak behind the lines and score a point. 
In fact, it happens quite regularly <laughs> with Chaos games. And I'm sure that with a player that's kneeling, they get to their five stones and they're able to stand up. It's It could be hard to predict which player that's kneeling might be back in the game as you're running by as the quick. Um, yes, but on the other hand, you have to count your downtime with one hand behind the back. So you, you're holding one high hand visibly behind the back and you're counting down your five stones or if you're hit by the chain, your eight stones. <clears throat> That's mainly so that the referees can see how long the rest of the downtime is. But also, of course, other players can, if they can see your hand, if you, they can see your back, of course, only then. But then they can get an impression when you will get up again. But uh, in a flowing game, it's, a, it's also a lot about communication here because um, um, you can hold down other players by placing a spar on them when they are already kneeling and then they might not get up until you lift this so-called pin. And when you, while you are pinning, you can get a good overview over the field and see, for example, when another opponent might get up who's kneeling a bit farther away. And so you are, uh, you are screaming to your quick, for example, be careful, this one comes up in one stone, this one in five stones, go, go around him because he won't get up uh, as soon as the other one. Go over the right side, go over the left side. So it's much coordination and communication exactly to, um, uh, to avoid that the quick is running past a spar player who's just about to get up. Awesome. So the pin was kind of what you were referring to earlier with the two short swords, that the pin, they might be able to pin two people, and that was kind of not exactly allowed or almost frowned upon? Exactly. So um, right now there are some tests um, in, in other countries um, whether the two short sword play, the uh, double short sword players so to speak <laughs> or double players uh, whether they might uh, be able to pin down two players um but um up to uh, or up until recently and in germany still it's not allowed for them they could as well as a q-tip uh, by the way they have also two tips so they could theoretically pin two people if they are close uh, kneeling close by um but uh, that's not uh, allowed rule-wise. The rule is you may pin one person, but not more. But of course, um, if there is another player uh, kneeling close by, then you might set a pin on one player and hit the other player while this other player gets up again. And then they have to go down for five stones again, of course. So that is possible, um, but you have to lift the pin for just uh, a fraction of a second to, to hit that other player. And that's a very important timing here as well. So that offers tactical and training opportunities as well, because you can train your own players to get up as quickly as possible when a pin is lifted or to defend yourself as quickly as possible when a pin is lifted, or even to score a hit against the pinning player if this pinning player lifts the pin uh, at the wrong time. So even here we have some detailed training opportunities which can uh, be ready for some nice surprises in a tournament game. Wow, it's really in-depth, all the stuff that you're thinking about. Um, yeah, usually um, on tournaments uh, we have, as said, for the World Championship we had 112 registered teams, but usually you have around 15 to 20 teams competing during a weekend. So each team is meeting about six to seven teams. So that's, that's a good choice, I think, uh, during Saturday and Sunday. And uh, when you're meeting an opponent, an, an, an opposing team, <laughs> sorry, then um, 
there are two ways to play. One is by time. That's sort of the classic way, a bit like in the movie where an old man is throwing stones against a plate and after 200 stones, the game is over. And so uh, the classical way in Jagger is to play two times 100 stones uh, with someone who sounds a drum or now with a drum app, of course. Um, and the modern way, the more modern way is to play in sets so that you have a best of five, for example, or best of seven or best of three um, or whatever, and define the winning team through these sets. Now, you also said that you started a team in Sweden, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yes, exactly. How do you start a team? What is the process? Starting a team, of course, is both very nice and yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's something to do. <laughs> um, so it it might sound complicated, but it's pretty easy. I mean, um, talk to people and spread the fascination for Jagger. Show them some of the really excellent slow motion Jagger videos out there on YouTube, for example, to give them a good uh, impression about gameplay with good music <laughs> and. Um, uh, yeah, grab their attention and make spars. Um, make some a couple of makeshift spars is completely enough, so that they, you can give them a spar, and then you can just spar away a bit without any style or whatever. It doesn't matter. Just try to 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 make some duels. Um, try to make a two against two, for example. So grab their attention. Show them how fascinating it could be. Um, Tell them to tell their friends to share on social media and so forth during, uh, through the channels. Um, and start training uh, with those people that you have, uh, uh, yeah, whose attention you have grabbed. <laughs> um, play with them in the open. That's what I would recommend in, in public parks, for example, as in Berlin, because that's really a magnet for new players. Start in parallel as soon as you have some players start making more spars. Um, watch the uh, spars making tutorials uh, uh, out on the internet just be a bit careful there don't take the old ones or some tutorials that look too makeshift because spars making can be um, or you can make some errors that might uh, be even dangerous if you don't pet enough for example or if you are uh, using the wrong material for course but it's really not rocket science um, just watch some of the uh, spars making tutorials and it's really pretty easy. Conveniently, Ruben has made his own how to make spars tutorial on his YouTube page and goes into great detail about what to do and what not to do. There are also uh, PDF uh, uh, documents out there uh, which show how to do it with uh, the measurements and stuff. And when you then decide, okay, we have enough players here, we want to build a team, think about a nice team name, make a nice team banner, <laughs> some makeshift jerseys so you don't hit each other during a tournament would be uh, quite okay, of course. <laughs> and then just, uh, yes, contact some tournament organizer um, uh, and register your team there and just, just try it. Uh, don't be shy. Every one of us has started one day and every one of us has been on a tournament, uh, on their first tournament once. And it doesn't matter how good you are on the tournament. You will see that tournaments are really fun, that players enjoy uh, the game very much. And usually um, the second most important thing, aside from the sport, from the matches and from Jagger itself, is the barbecue afterwards and uh, 
uh, making music together and sitting and drinking together and stuff like that. So socializing, as you would say, um, and that's really, really, really nice. And then you will you will learn how to make spars, how to make better spars. It may even be that your spars do not pass the tournament uh, spars test, so so to speak. But then you will you will get spars from the tournament organizer. They can loan you spars usually, so that's not an issue. Just just try it. I really can only recommend: don't do too much theory in the beginning. Just grab some friends, make some makeshift spars. Just see to it that they are not dangerous. But aside from that, it doesn't really matter whether they are exactly uh, according to the measurements and to the regulations. Start playing get more people and then start slowly focusing on the details um, and on the other stuff. Oh, and of course, um, it might always be a good idea to to have a look on the Jugger Worldwide Facebook page or to the face, Facebook or uh, social media pages or web pages of teams in your vicinity. And even there, I only can recommend if if it's a two-hour journey to the next Jagatine, do it. Just book a train or loan a car or take your own car. Um, take some friends, that would be perfect, of course, and just meet them and play with them. And you will see how fantastic it can be. And they can help you so much with their practical experience to get started. Uh, it's really fantastic. So that's th these two or three hours journey are absolutely worth it. Awesome. What are some of your favorite career moments or highlights? Oy, that's um, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since I'm playing Jagger for quite some time, but well, one thing of course is when when I got my first team going and when we had our first jerseys and were participating in our first tournaments as a team. And had our successes, uh, and of course our losses there, but that doesn't matter. As said, that was just fantastic. Um, I think that's the most important point. The next one was when I organized Jan Svenskan, which is um, which is an international jugger festival that I started in Sweden. Um, fascinatingly, I contacted the uh, organizer of Metal Svenskan, which is a heavy metal uh, festival. Um, uh, a bit similar to Sweden Rock, just not as big as Sweden Rock. Um, at the time, um, one of the few metal festivals there, and they were very open. And they said, hey, "Yeah, cool, come, come over and pre uh, present your sport uh, on our festival." And so we could play on a metal festival uh, as one of the highlights <laughs> for for I think three times or something. And we had the Irish and the Germans and. Uh, later on Jan Svenskan, when we did our own uh, uh, fest Jugger festival, we even had Australia, the USA, uh, um, um, Russia, and other countries competing there somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you could say, in the middle of Sweden, <laughs> really on a meadow at a lake uh, with a sauna and everything. Great place. Um, and people enjoyed it really much. And we had uh, uh, some smaller music bands on stage uh, in the evenings. And that was really one of the big highlights, of course. It must really get you pumped up to play listening to he heavy metal music as you're warming up and getting ready. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Are there any professional leagues or professional players, or is it mostly for fun the fun and sport of it? Well, um, 
professional of course not um, because it's not a professional sport and i must say i'm quite happy that it's not professionalized yet um, which doesn't mean that we do not have very very ambitious players and very very ambitious teams who are training really hard really structured and really professional um, so um, the um, yeah, the, the more we come or, or the more Jagger develops sort of, the more professional it becomes from a sportive aspect uh, with as a training structure, um, tournament uh, structure, organization, stuff like that. Uh, uh, Jagger is part of official sports clubs in Germany, for example, also in other countries. Um, and so Jagger gets more and more professional as a sport. But um, as I said, I'm quite happy that it's not a pro sport yet, but it's still people who have who are playing for fun, not for money, not for advertisement money or anything else like that. Uh, and so we can just skip all the nasty stuff, um, what we have in, in professional leagues. There are Jagger leagues, of course, um, and they are developing as well. We have a German Jagger league um, and others. Um, in other countries as well, but they are, as I said, they are sort of yeah, evolving, still evolving. Um, if we look at the Jagger timeline, Jagger was invented as a sport in Germany in 93. Then in 2000, Australia took uh, Jagger with them and started to play there. Interestingly, not because they have seen it in Germany, but because uh, someone stumbled uh, over a German Jagger website and thought, well, that's cool. And the post-apocalyptic <laughs> film, by the way, has also been filmed in Australia. So they have a direct link to, to Jagger, in fact. Um, then in 2006, I think, Ireland um, started playing Jagger, uh, introduced by a player who was originally playing for Hamburg in Germany. So he, uh, an Irish guy, took it with uh, him and introduced it uh, to the Irish. That was Mark. Later, uh, shortly afterwards, about a year afterwards or so, Spain, uh, came in and as I said they really they exploded so Jagger was just rocketing there it was so impressive to see how quickly teams turned up in, in Spain it was really unbelievable um, and in Germany about the same time 2007-2008 um, the sport started to spread really quickly um, and so Jagger is really a very young sport still therefore these league mechanics are under development we do not have um, a German Jagger Association, so no one can speak for German Jagger. It's still a bit anarchical in that respect. We have the forum, we have the rule book that is um, defined by uh, a huge voting process. I was coordinator of the first co communal voting process sort of in 2007. And since then we have every two or three years uh, a huge voting process over rules changes. Um, mostly coordinated through the Jagger forum um, and email, of course, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it's really everything is in motion, you could say. And uh, well, we'll see where it leads. And the International Jagger Council, for example, was founded last year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, by a Spanish guy um, and should um, be an informal, uh, yes, resource sort of for uh, Jagger countries. Um, and most Jagger countries are more or less present there with some representatives. As far as they can have representatives, as I said, Germany cannot because we do not have a body that re represents Jagger here. Uh, in Sweden, I found the, the Swedish Jagger Association, so they have 
uh, a central body mainly to coordinate Jagger there and to make it easier for Swedish people to get going with Jagger. Um, so it really depends from country to country. That's really interesting. And I'm sure, or it kind of feels more pure to have it be a sport without all of the advertisements and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's so much to take into account when you start um, involving finance, financing <laughs> and stuff like that. It, it can become really tedious. So I'm, I'm quite sure. happy that it works well as it is. Yeah, me so too. Of course, there are... Yeah, there are still discussions with uh, founding, for example, a German Jaguar Association and how to do it. And we'll see where this leads. It mustn't be bad. It can be quite good. But um, as said, um, I'm associations or not, um, I'm happy that we are not that um, commercialized yet. It really makes, as I was saying, it really makes it feel like people are there for the fun and the sport of it, as opposed to to get famous or to make money. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you have many people who are really dedicated juggers who are training endlessly and are fully motivated, but they are motivated because they are really jugger nerds <laughs> and jugger fans and not because someone has a big paycheck to give. So that's over a tournament where they will win money or stuff like that. You win crazy trophies maybe, but uh, not money. <laughs> Considering you've written at least five books about Jugger, would you say that you're one of the top Jugger nerds? Nah, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many uh, enthusiasts and so many Jugger players. And as said, even people who are really Jugger nerds, but you never heard about them because they are just they are just working the head off for their own team, but they are not sort of broadcasting it. Um that it's really hard to say uh, where one stands. But, uh, well, I know that Jugger is just really makes a lot for my life, yes. <laughs> do you have any future goals surrounding Jugger? What are you planning on uh, hopefully doing in the future? I'm not sure. I want to, well, I hope that, um, yeah, I hope that Corona will be gone soon. <laughs> yes. Or at least that we can handle it soon, exactly. Uh, from a sportive perspective and we can start to train again um, after we moved to Germany from Sweden um, I started to take over the training of the uh, youth group and build a youth team here for for our sports club the Jugger sports club because they didn't have a trainer for for youth um, uh, for the youth group then group and uh, I decided to yes to to build a team by that but the problem is we didn't train for about a year now because of Corona. So I hope that I can get enough people back. <laughs> and so my my next goal would be um, to get my team going and send them on tournaments again and see how they how they are doing. And uh, of course, do more uh, tutorial videos to to help people to build their own teams and to learn from each other. Um, for example, the, the uh, last uh, chain video I did was a collection of international chain favorites from uh, chain players all over the world. And there were re was really crazy stuff in there from the moves that people invented to play the chain. Quite effective ones, quite crazy ones. <laughs> so stuff like that is really uh, rewarding to do. Awesome. And I saw that you made some workout videos that people could do at home. Do you know if any of your players participated in that? Um, yeah, the, the videos due to Corona, I, of course, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't really um, 
train with others also with the workout videos so i i, I deliberately uh, well, sorry i deliberately did them on my own to give people an opportunity to to have focused training exercises that they could do on their own when they could not meet others during corona lockdown and stuff um but on the other hand um with uh, i i did uh, a boot camp uh, last um autumn that was just between the lockdown sort of it was very very lucky there that we could do it um with with uh, people from teams all over from germany and um, from that indirectly uh, came uh, an online training and uh, not me but but in, uh, another jagger um, he offers online trainings every monday now and that's really cool to see so um you can switch on your computer and just start to train on Mondays and uh, <laughs> and have at least a bit of jugger experience during lockdown period. Awesome. And this is like, this is so cool that I now want to go start my own jugger team. But before I do, is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we wrap up? Well, um, maybe only two things the one thing is that uh, anyone who's interested in jugger is welcome to check on the jugger rulebook collection of the international jugger blog um, i build up an archive with most issues from most jugger countries so both old rules and uh, the current rule sets as far as i receive them um, you can download all these rules as pdf there so on juggerblog uh, um <laughs> Um, and also when you start with the team, you are really, really welcome uh, to contact uh, the Jagger blog through the contact form there and drop an article about your progress in Jagger, your experiences in Jagger, um, what you liked most, how training, your first trainings were going and stuff like that. So that's one thing. And the last thing maybe, of course, I'm, uh, yes, I'm, I'm really keen on doing these Jagger tutorial videos. And so I would enjoy it very much if people could um, yeah, just just view the videos because the views are an important measure for me whether the work and time I invest into making videos make sense. Um, so this meter, I don't earn anything by it. There is no advertisement in it and no monetization of any kind. So um, this meter uh, is quite an important thing to see whether these uh, this blood of heart sort of <laughs> uh, <laughs> is reaching really the, uh, its target group so juggers <laughs> yes i'll definitely put that in the description so if you're listening at home and you would like to uh see some of ruben's videos about juggers see what it looks like and uh watch some tutorials the link will be in the description perfect last uh, thing maybe uh, i'm just about to wrap up uh, uh how to start your jugger team video where i'm wrapping up all the basic uh, descriptions step by step what you can do to start your own jagger team so that's just on topic <laughs> awesome well ruben thank you so much for joining me i this has opened my eyes to a sport that i knew very little about until recently uh and now i want to go out and play it so hopefully when we are able to and all this is over it will continue to explode in the way that we saw in like 2007 that would be perfect. I would be glad to meet you on the field one day, and I'm looking forward which spar you will choose. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about thank it this whole time. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. That was really great and great fun to speak to you. So thank you.
A huge thanks again to Ruben for joining me and talking all things Jugger. Definitely check out his YouTube page, Jugger Coach Uhu's Tutorials, again, Uhu spelled U-H-U, or on Instagram at Uhu underscore on underscore Jugger, Uhu on Jugger, for more Jugger content. I'd love to hear any ideas you have for niche sports and athletes I could reach out to for episodes, so send me a DM at Butler on the Air online. This episode actually came out because it was suggested to me by a couple of friends, including Clara, the star of the Quidditch episode that started it all. It would also help the podcast out a ton if you subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and left a review, especially on iTunes. Each review helps get the show in new ears, and I'd greatly appreciate your 30 seconds of help. Until next time, I'm Tommy Butler, and you've been listening to The Ocho. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.